As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. everybody welcome back to sound of the loons presented by alina health this time we get a dual podcast very rarely do we get such two special guests that we have them on at the same time so we get to be joined today by dane st Clair and zarek valentine thank you both for taking the time and zarek i see you all of a sudden you threw on the hat there where you're not feeling the, the hair game or what happened there no no no. i just tucked it back i think it looks a little bit cleaner and it's beanie okay, season it, yeah. now, so yeah, you had it like you it. had it like down. Yeah, yeah. What's what's your judgment on Dane's uh hair today? I got a hair. I got a. I got a haircut to, today. You know, Derek. <laughs> Derek, you just scheduled this one day too soon for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> trying, trying to be ready for at peak for Saturday. You know. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying you already had your haircut. Oh, and I was no, like, no. oh you might want to go back to that person. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I I can't comment on other people's hair. If anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very low on the, the hair comment totem pole. So I'll just well, do it. Who, like. who, who does have the best uh, hair Take game? The point, I'll show them the Lord, the Lord you, Fair. You want to get, you want to see the Lord Farquaad? I got, I got, yes, a, yes. I got a nice bob at this moment. Yes. <laughs> does it, yes. Does it look I hope, good? I hope that's what from a shower and not from training. No, no, no. It's just definitely a shower, but we're going to put the okay, okay. as much as possible. <laughs> Who's got the best flow on the team? I should ask. Like, do you guys have like. Flow is definitely me, but if yeah. in terms of like a tight, haircut that's a different that's a very different conversation okay so who's got that what's what determines that what that's defines good. that I'd, I'd like to say i'm up there um, <laughs> i think dj when dj comes DJ, in with a, nice, yeah. with a nice fresh cut i think he's got a good a good haircut is he always has a haircut i've never seen him with long hair like not having a haircut i feel like he goes like once a week no almost. he's like he's like a jalen rose or like, <laughs> like he's constantly it doesn't never grows in it's just it's almost like he got laser hair removal on his hairline. So it look, it's always he's always looks pretty good. Like like a Lego, like where it's like perfect. It's sharp, yeah. It's, it's sharp. sharp. It's like it. He he's going every week, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. I I get that. I mean, there's some teams that have like a barber that like shows yeah, up. You know, Minnesota should definitely work on getting us a barber. Um, I remember when I used to cover the NBA. Benefit of other teams that they have that. Well, and I, I remember I used to cover the NBA and like after morning shoot around on game day sometime, like the barber was like set up in a room and like guys would just go in and they just get their hair cut before they were hitting the road or whatever. When I played for the Timbers, they, they hired a barber and he came in once a week. I think it was every Tuesday. Omar, really, really good barber. And he would cut from 7 a.m. to almost 7 p.m. And he would hit the full staff, right? The oh. coaching staff would show up at 7 a.m. He would cut the from... The Giovanni Savarese to the, I guess, probably the the youngest academy product. Not academy, but like homegrown guy we'd have. And he would cut the whole day. And he would just go straight through. 
and bang them all out. And it was, I mean, everyone was looking really good for the majority of the week. So it's definitely something I think the club, you know, I can't, I wouldn't benefit, but I think other guys might benefit a little bit. That's impressive. That's impressive to put in a full shift like that, full 12 hours. Like there's Mm -hmm. not many people in any profession that do that. So um, speaking of hours, you guys were just chatting before we hopped on here about the hours spent traveling. You're both just back from international duty, Dane with Canada, Zarek with Puerto Rico. What, uh, what was your, what is, First and foremost, because it's hard to do both of you at the same time, but at the same time, I want to talk about a broader spectrum of international call-ups in the midst of season. What is that like? How do you wrap your mind around it? And I know sometimes it might depend on what you're being called up for as far as what your focus is, trying to stay focused on MLS versus what you're going to be going into, whether it's a World Cup or Nations League or other different things. But what's that like when you get the call up and it's in the midst of a season, and you know, you're going to have to step away, sometimes missing games, sometimes not um, for the MLS season, depending on what the MLS schedule is. Yeah, I think um, it's just about shifting the focus. I think in an ideal world, uh, MLS no longer plays an international break. So you don't have to put it on the players to make that decision because obviously it's a honor to go to to be able to represent your country. And unfortunately, some guys decide to stay because they think they have a big MLS game. So I think. Uh, Moving forward, the league definitely needs to, to to take a look at that, so guys don't have to because they should want guys playing international games and and putting the league on a international stage as well, uh, not just for club but for country as well. Um, but for me, it's just about shifting the focus. I think uh, it's obviously an honor to be able to get called in and, and represent your country, no matter if it's a friendly or a World Cup. I think uh, anytime you get that opportunity, and I think for us too, it's no matter what window it is, you have such a limited time with those you try to maximize what you can do. So whether it's a friendly or not, you know that you're always kind of building towards the picture. I think uh, for us, we've definitely talked about uh, 2026 and how we have however many camps leading up to it. So it's just about maximizing uh, each camp uh, leading up to, to, to those moments. Yeah. And for me, my, my role within each team is very different uh, in Puerto Rico. You know, they refer to me as El Viejito, like the old guy. Um, you know, I, because I was eating, I was eating meals with guys who I'm ha- twice their age. Uh, you know, there's some Academy products that from inter Miami for our Puerto Rico team that are 16, 17, 18 years old. So they're asking me questions, you know, they're playing 50 cent songs. And I said, do you know when that came out? And they go, no. And I said, well, I was 13 years old. So you weren't even born yet. You probably weren't even a thought for some of your parents at that time. Um, so my role is very different in terms of going to Puerto Rico. And obviously, um, Dane is pre-qualified for that world cup. So for us, it's a matter of trying to, to continue to grow our federation. Um, we, we took some steps in gold cup qualifying and, you know, sadly fell just a game short and, you know, now we play at three o'clock. So the boys kick off here in about two hours. And if we win that game, we'll be in the driver's seat to hopefully get promoted to league A, which would be a really big step for a very, very small, um, federation to where we could play the likes of Canada and other big countries. So for us, um, we're in a different place, but it's been fun to be a part of that that process, that growing process. But like you're saying, um, and like Dane said, it's difficult with MLS, you know. So I had a, you know, a conversation with our coach and looked, you know, back at, you know, what we have here in Minnesota. And for me, we decided it was best to go for the first game um, to try to help the squad uh, this past weekend on Saturday, but then to fly back and then to help shift and and to to be available for the game on the weekend. And obviously, we don't know who's going to get their number called, but. Um, you know, I want to try to put my best foot forward on the pitch with the boys. And I know that that's, that's here as opposed to if I had played in the game today, we would have flown back tomorrow. I would have gotten, you know, trained lightly Thursday, lightly Friday. And then, you know, maybe I don't necessarily have put myself in a spot to to play on the weekend. So, um, you know, it's a, 
interesting thing because you're, you know, you're being a little bit maybe selfish in the national team sense, but also trying to help the team out here where it might be a little bit uh, selfless of someone to come back and, and do that. But again, I just want to be here shifting my focus now back to helping the boys out as much as possible. If I get my number called and um, if I don't, then still being a positive influence in the locker room. And Dane, you were on the road uh, taking on Japan in Japan, a game in which you guys lost four to one. Um, but what, what, what is it like every time you go into camp? Because again, you're in a different place than Eric, as far as him being sort of the veteran on that team for Puerto Rico, you still being a young player um, as a goalkeeper for Canada. I know Crepo is back in the mix as well now, which, I mean, it was nice to see him come back from that horrific um, leg break in the MLS cup final, but What's it like every time you go into a camp now that you've been brought into the senior team so many times and, and coming off of World Cup and, and Nations League and everything else that you've done since? Yeah, I think um, we kind of talked about this camp as it, it being a friendly, but uh, the next camp that we have is going to be qualifiers for the Copa America. So um, obviously going to be two big games next window, and we're not we're not sure, sure who we're playing yet. But for me, um, it's just about proving every time to uh, that, that I'm, I'm ready and I'm going to be ready for when my number is called and just kind of continue to, to kind of push Milan to to kind of earn that that number one spot from him. So I think obviously it's nice to kind of be with my brothers too. I think a lot of guys on our team uh, we grew up together with, uh, which is nice. So kind of just having that connection with the, with those guys. I mean, I think we have a great time uh, on, on the field and it shows our connection. Um, but I think for me, it's just kind of shifting that focus from uh, 2022 to 2026 and kind of wanting to be, be the starter leading up to that. So just kind of going into each camp, uh, pushing for that number one spot and showing that I'm ready for when my number's called. And with a coaching change with Herdman going to Toronto, so that might make a bit of a difference. Did you notice a difference um, heading to Japan? Yeah, I think, um, unfortunately, because of the travel, there was kind of limited training time. Like our first training just absolutely got poured on there. So uh, it was only really like two and a half sessions. So, of course, you notice some differences. Um and I think for the coaching staff, it's similar to here. It's a, they're they're on an intern basis for now, so I think uh, they're trying to improve uh, themselves just as much as as we are as players. And we know for the federation, whether whoever it is uh, in charge, that we need to be able to kind of put ourselves as a country in in, in the best uh, environment and being able to make sure that we're playing in the biggest games to to represent our country well. Who is who is is it Morrow? Morrow, yeah. Morrow, yeah. I had him in Montreal. So I, I when I played in Montreal back in the dinosaur ages and. 2012 when they first came in MLS, he was our assistant coach. And did I didn't like realize. Him? Like, what, did, you, did you give Dane some, like a little scoop on him or Dane, were you already familiar with him or what? Yeah, he was one of our assistants um, from before. So he was with okay. us through that whole process. Uh, they brought back in Stephen Caldwell, who was um, an assistant with us before in the past. So Stephen Caldwell. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so some familiar faces uh, for the most part. And I think, um, it's also tough for the coaches to kind of really implement in in such a short period of time. I think in the longer stages, you'll you'll kind of see more of an imprint on it. But uh, definitely in, in the short term, it's it's definitely tough for uh, it being in this first camp and things like that. Zarek, when you get when you get called in and you just talked a little bit about the road um, to qualify and, and sort of Puerto Rico, how did you decide to join the Puerto Rican men's national team as you had played with the U.S. some of the U.S. teams and the youth? national team ranks when did that come up I mean how did that come about I know when it came about I believe it was it was the 2016 when you first got asked to join and then maybe it was a little bit later when you actually joined them yeah so I'd played um pretty much U.S. youth national team up until Olympic qualifying um so I've basically been a part of the system for for as long as I was playing professional soccer um up until my 
uh, third year and, and just through college, you know, high school, everything like that. And then I started getting calls from the full team and didn't really consider it too much. I, I had heard not too great things as the Federation was still kind of young and figuring itself out. Jeremy Hall, who's the assistant coach for um, the twos here played along, you know, played there with a few old ex MLS guys. And I hadn't heard the greatest things. And then um, once they hired Dave Sarakin in, I believe that was 2019 or 2020. Uh, I had known Dave for a while through, through MLS. He coached my brother and Dave came in and brought up just a monumental shift in terms of professionalism on and off the pitch, making sure things are done right, making sure the players are taken care of. And, you know, that was a big turning point for me in terms of having a coach in which I knew personally and someone that um, recognized, I would say the, um, I would say the areas in which the Federation can improve and areas in which they're doing okay at. So Dave came in and started pushing a lot of boundaries for the better um, and challenged the Federation to say, Hey, if we, we do want to take steps forward and go from nations like C to B to A and, you know, be close to world cup qualifying and make the, not the hex or the octagon or whatever it is, you know, we need to do X, Y, Z. And then the Federation has taken a lot of great steps forward. So I made the decision in 2020 to, uh, you know, finally go back in and play and, and haven't really, Looked back since it's been an awesome experience. As I said, I'm the old guy. And when I say that the average age of the team is about between 23 or 25. Um, so my first camp, I was 30. Then there was a 27 year old. Then the next player was 23 years old. Um, and the 27 year old has, you know, went to, hasn't been called back in. So I'm the oldest guy by six years, seven years. Um, so again, I'm just, uh, my role is a little bit different, um, you know, trying to impart wisdom and, uh, just help some of these guys navigate their professional lives, right? You know, they, some of these kids are academy. They don't know whether they want to go to college or not. They don't know how the Generation Adidas drafts work or just how you get drafted GA from college. They don't know whether to take the, whether, whether to take, get their GED, whether to go, you know, stay in the academy system and go back to school and use SNHU or whatever the universities through MLS use. So um, there's just a little bit of stuff and I don't necessarily claim to to, to know all those different um, avenues, but I can give a little bit of insight into how I handled certain things and the way the league and the way the players union is trying to help a lot of these players navigate that. So um, it, it's a lot of fun because it, it makes me, it makes me young at heart. Um, but again, it, it's all, it's also a huge honor to go out there and, you know, be the captain and be someone that these young guys can look to in tough moments. And you know, I'm, I'm not there right now for the game, but I hope I have, I have all the trust in the world. They can be, go out and beat Guyana and essentially hold our fate going into hopefully the last two games where if we just take care of business and win those, which we've done previously against the uh, Antigua and then Bahamas, we would go up to A, then that's where that's where we'll really find out for how good we are. You know, when you talk about the sort of, you know, choosing Puerto Rican senior team when some of those changes were made from the U.S. youth national teams and Dane, you've been with Canada all along. What do you guys make, of, and just talking about the international landscape in general, does it seem like there's way more dual nationals these days than there ever were before? Or is it just now that we hear about them, you know, making the one-time switch and we hear it all the time with the U S trying to like recruit some of these guys in and they can choose between whether it's Mexico and the United States or whether it's somewhere overseas in Europe, like, is that happening more often that, or is that always was a thing? And now we're just hearing about it more. I think, I mean, I grew up in Canada where all of us, our parents or our grandparents are different. So like we could have, like, I could have played for Trinidad as well. Like they had called me when I was a little bit younger, but um, I kind of was, was was with the Canadian youth national teams at the time. So it was kind of want to stick that out. But like, so for me growing up, we all could like, I think they, they may put like a thing out for our world cup team. And it was like the backgrounds of like 
everyone on our team, we basically all could have played for a different country except for maybe like one of us. Um, so I think growing up in Canada, like it was a thing, but I think also now like FIFA kind of altered the rules where you can kind of make that one time switch and things like that now. So I think that's probably why you hear hear about it a little bit more. And then I think um, there's also this thing with like, well, we got to cap tie them so that no one else can have them instead of necessarily what's always best for the players at the time. So I think uh, it's just, and I think with the media age too, everyone finds more information about yeah, every individual now too. You know what I mean? It's like, pretty much anything you want about any one of us is out there in the public, unfortunately, and or fortunately at times. Yeah, I was going to capitalize on that. I think, especially playing for Puerto Rico, everyone has U.S. nationality as well. Um, so everyone has to essentially make that one-time switch. And especially with some of these younger Puerto Rican guys, I had talked to the coach in the Federation how um, in these windows, it's important to, to try to cap tie these kids. Because let's say, you know, I use these, There, I traveled back with, Three kids from the Inter-Miami Academy. It would have been four, but one of the flights was um, a little messed up. But it would have been four kids from the Inter-Miami Academy. And I had a talk with the coach, and I had to talk with um, people just around you know the Federation saying, hey, there's a guy in Miami now that's kind of pretty good. So <laughs> imagine one of these four kids in the next year starts to mature a little bit. Go, he go through, goes through puberty maybe a little bit early, lands on the first team, and starts to get some minutes. And then guess what? He starts to blow up a bit. Next thing you know, the since they can play for the U.S. team, they go and play in the, for the U.S. team, as opposed to if we were to cap tie him, whether, you know, you could say, obviously, we, we'd, we'd want the best players. But if we could cap tie someone at 17, 18, 19, and then let's say they do end up going into Miami in the next year or two and blow up, great. You're for Puerto Rico, buddy. Um, <laughs> but I think the big thing also with Dane, just with media, I mean, you can look up hashtag Puerto Rico or something like that and just scroll for soccer players and with transfer market and all these different things, there's so much information out there about all these players. And um, I think that the the changing of things used to be, it used to happen, but I think it's more prevalent now because there's so much information about people's family histories. And, and that's something that's been great for some countries and not so great for others. But I think it's benefited a lot of smaller countries, especially in CONCACAF that, you know, we played, uh, we played Guyana and, a lot of those guys are uh, have British backgrounds. So if they can't go play for England, they're going to play for Guyana. And, you know, the their eight played for QPR. Their holding mid came played for Bournemouth. So I think it's raising the levels of some of the smaller countries where they may not be able to play for that, that big, you know, all-star senior national team and then end up playing for smaller countries and kind of bring it up. Even Ethan. Ethan is eligible to play for St. Kitts. Um, so we were talking about it downstairs because we were just there. Um, and yeah. said he hasn't accepted the call-up, but he could either play there or um, – Antigua as well. So again, these dual nationals, it's a lot more prevalent. And one of these things where now the player has a little bit more of a chance to, to kind of choose their pathway and choose whichever role within a senior national team they can almost want. I also think well, that like, happens. Go ahead, Dane. Go ahead. International football is like way different than club football. So I think you're seeing more players now that want to get to World Cup with it, expanding to more teams and things like that. So like I look at Jamaica, like them getting all these English internationals now or or that guys that were in the English system because now they're looking at it as a different pathway to get to a world cup or to be able to, to play it on an international level and, and, and show what they have on a different basis than club football as well. So I think like you, like Zarek said, it's, it's been good for, for the smaller countries as well that are able to kind of recruit some of these, these dual nationals. I was going to say the same thing on the women's side, because how many, you, you know, players that are in the United States are playing the U S college system. And they know that the odds of them making the U S women's national team are slim to none. 
um, just because there's so much talent on that squad and it's like continuing that they go and play for these other countries. And I, I agree. I think it just makes everybody stronger. Like you see Bunny Shaw playing for Jamaica, you know, she's just a, a beast and now she's playing over in Europe, but you know, she played in the college system. She's from here and, and all these other countries that it's just raising the level, which is, is better for all everybody. I think at the end of the day, um, when you're raising the level of some of those other countries, especially as the world cup expands. So just more opportunities. Cause they're not, it's, I mean, the pool that you guys are sitting in for the the senior men's national team, whether it's for Puerto Rico or Canada is so small. And even the pool is drawing from like the odds of making it to that first team is, is very difficult. So, um, so yeah, I think it makes everybody better at the end of the day. Looking for a way to get closer to your club? For just $25, Loons fans can join the Preserve, Minnesota United's official season ticket waitlist. Waiting usually isn't fun, but this waitlist comes with benefits. Being a member of the Preserve gives you early access to MNUFC single game tickets, partial season plans, and group tickets, as well as special pre-sales for other marquee events that come to Allianz Field. Visit mnufc.com preserve to join. Speaking of making everybody better and kind of raising the bar and raising the level, transition back to MLS and what you guys have going on this weekend. But let's look back a little bit at the last few weeks. I mean, what was that? What's that like for us as a player? And, and again, this could be very different for the both of you because Dane, you've only had one coach in MLS as you know, of course, youth and at Maryland and national teams, different coaches, but you've only had one MLS coach and Adrian, he drafted you Zarek, you've bounced around a bit. You know what it's like to play for different teams and different coaches. I know Sean McCauley's interim, so you're familiar with him, but in general, what has the last few weeks been like for you guys um, since the, the change was made and sort of how did that all, how did each of that hit you differently? I'll start. Um, uh, I went through this somewhat recently in Houston. We had, uh, in my three years there, we had three separate coaches. We, we let go of Tab at the end of my second year. And then with the last year, we let go of Apollo with five games. Um, and I would say that the one thing is when, when players get brought in, you know, immediately the staff or the organization brings in a certain player like myself. Um, and players who are already in the team maybe have been brought in by somebody else or whatever it might be. So the, immediately when when this happens, first and foremost, no, you know, no one ever wants to see someone lose their job. That sucks. Um, no matter whether it's our football, whether it's at Target, whether it's at Vitacoco, whatever it might be at Nike, we never want to see that happen. And it's a collective, you know, effort because obviously we're the ones on the pitch. So that's, you know, it's always extremely difficult. But I would say that the one thing that it, it does do, and it's something that's positive, is immediately then everyone can rally together because they're now we're all in the same bucket. And now we all have to basically say, listen, we, we all accept accountability. And obviously sometimes someone might have to lose their job, but this is all on all of us. And then eventually it allows the team to kind of restructure the way we're thinking. And especially with a game coming so quickly after the news and after it happened, I think that, um, you know, I was really proud of the team for banding together and kind of um, accepting the news, you know, digesting it and then immediately switching and moving forward. Because obviously it can happen where the team – 
might be under the gun and they might be against uh, the new coach or they might be pissed off because obviously they've had a long history, no problem. But I think that kudos to the group for basically um, understanding that, you know, this is a difficult situation, but understanding that we have to rely on each other. We have to rely on the, the, the new staff and we have to take accountability amongst us as players to digest the information as quickly as possible and then to look forward and then to try to execute the new game plan as best as possible. And ultimately we went into that last game, you know, as, as tough as the results were leading up to that, we still controlled a little bit of our destiny. Obviously we're going into this last game and we have to win, but um, you know, having that in our hands gave us even more accountability to try to push forward. And um, you know, we, we both weren't here this past week, but I've only heard positive things texting back from the group about the energy um, the liveliness, the desire to train, the train hard, and to just embrace this moment. And obviously, it's been beautiful weather here in Minnesota, so we're going to soak that up as much as possible. But, um, you know, I've been really proud of the group for for shifting our focus and, you know, really banding together and to hopefully put us in a good spot going into this weekend to to get a result in a very tough place against a difficult team. And that's all we can really do is control the things that we can control. Yeah, I think for me, obviously, it's kind of a little bit new. I think both teams I played for, both the coaches left in, in, in a recent time, but I think uh, it's the same as players, you know what I mean? Players come and go, coaches come and go, and that's the reality of our business. And I think uh, no matter who's out there, uh, us as players still have a responsibility to go to go and fight for the badges as long as you're here, because um, I think no one really feels bad when, it, when it's the players that kind of get benched or, or, or things like that. So I think for us, it's it's still, I think for us, we're in a fortunate spot that we're still able to fight for, for a playoff spot. So I think uh, to be able to shift that focus was was easy for us because we're still playing for something. And I think um, also it creates it creates uncertainty too moving forward. You know what I mean? I think uh, you always see like everyone's always like, oh, the teams at the end, whether it's a good team or a bad team, they're always hard to play against because coming towards the end of the season, people are fighting for jobs um, no matter what. So I think uh, obviously there's going to be uh, a, a change moving forward um who knows um what that change is going to be but i think uh us as players we all want to put our best foot forward to, to give ourselves an opportunity to make sure that we still have a job for next year as well um so i think uh for that and and just to make the playoffs i think uh for me personally i think uh, i've made the playoffs in in every uh see been fortunate to make the playoffs in every season and i don't want to um change that this year so to be able to go and obviously kansas city is a, a tough place to go and play um, but I think Sean did a really good job of changing the narrative for us of calling it a two game season. And I think that's something that kind of really resonated with me because you can always look back in the past and, Hey, we should have got a point here. We shouldn't have given up this goal. We should have scored here, um, whatever it may be, but we're in an opportunity where we had two games to, to kind of save the season, because I guarantee you, if we, we go and win MLS cup, no one's going to really talk about all oh, the regular season where we live in a, in, in a world where people only talk about the winners. Um, and at the end of the day, like people can say what they want about the supporter shield, but everyone's team's goal to go in is to win the MLS cup. Um, and I think that's what kind of everyone talks about. And we still have an opportunity to go and do that. Uh, so I think for us, it's just about shifting the focus and us as players, we don't control the decision of, of the other staff uh, ahead of us, but it's still our, our job to be able to, to go out there and, our responsibility to go out there and whatever the coach is asking us to do is to, to, to go and complete that. Tell Pat Noonan that. You like that? Well, I mean, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like the yeah, supporter you, shield versus supporter the shield, we don't, stuff. we don't even get to play against every team or you don't play against yeah. teams a fair amount of time. So I think uh, it recently, I think it, it has changed a little bit more, but I think, um, yeah, I think for me personally, I'd rather win the MLS cup because 
that's what everyone remembers. I think everyone might. Um, no, no, dis- no, obviously to take anything away, Cincinnati has been incredible, but I think that if you ask most of the players around the league or MLS GMs, you know, would you rather be hoisting the supporter shield or MLS cup? And then I think the answer would be pretty resounding in one way or another. So we still have a chance to play for that, which is exciting. Well, and I think it's, I mean, that's like a whole nother podcast or another day. It's like, if we wanted to talk about promotion relegation, right. I was like, you could do a whole podcast on it. Like they're each very difficult in their own right to be the best over an entire season versus playing when the pressure is on and it's a winner go home scenario. And our country, you know, is like built on that. That's, that's what we do. We do playoffs. Like you have to win and go home in those difficult moments to, to win a trophy and to lift that rather than be necessarily the greatest over or the best and consistent over an entire season. So that's USA, like a USA. Yeah. Or I should say North America. We'll North go. America. <laughs> we, do, we, we let them in for, you know, hockey and, and some NBA stuff. Like we, we let you guys join us for that and soccer. And so- Dane's like, Dane's like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going <laughs> to go down that path. Well, I want to talk about what went right for Ali against Ali galaxy. You know I mean? Obviously he went on the road. You you lost a lead, which you guys were up three one and ended up losing on the road. Which LA Galaxy, regardless, is a difficult place to play. But then you come, you know, you have them at home, and I know that was just after the coaching change, and people can say whatever they want. I know Sean McCauley, like in his first media availability, he said we're going to tweak some things tactically. I had him on the podcast last week. He said we tweak some things tactically. You know, something needed to change. We had to make some change. So what went right against LA Galaxy from your perspective, Dane, from where you sit, and then also Zarek from your position, and like just having been, you know, been there, done that, and seen a lot of things. What what went right against this LA Galaxy team for you guys, and hopefully it catapulted you into this sporting kansas city game yeah i think um we capitalize on our chances moving forward um i think pookie did a, a great job of, of scoring in the opportunities he got but i think uh in those moments when you create those opportunities to be able to to, to get something in a, a final product um f- from those moments i think definitely puts a lot of less pressure on us at the back because uh we know it's one of those games that kind of kind of open up more but uh, at the same time we knew that they had a a potent attack as well and i think uh we did a really good job of playing out of the back. I think a uh, really good job of playing with the ball and not really allowing them the chance. I think the, the goal that they had, I think, kind of came from both of their goals, kind of came from kind of our mistakes, whether it was maybe not the initial ball, but I think you kind of replay the the play back a little bit. It's just kind of our own mistakes. And I think we know at this this point in time of the season, if we limit mistakes, we're, we're definitely a tough team to beat. Yeah, I think uh, looking back on that game, the first goal was a deflection, I believe. Uh, I don't know if it was given as an own goal, but it was an unlucky deflection. And Dave, make, Dave makes a big save, one-on-one against, I think it was Costa, right? Soon after that one, it was 1-1. So thanks a lot, bud. That, those kind of things help, help a lot um, as a defender. I think for me, something that we, we had a little bit more, I would say, poison composure up the field. Um, I think that maybe in the past few games, we might've been in situations where we're rushing the final pass. We're rushing um, in the final third. And we had a little bit more of uh, just composure and the ability to take a breath. And if you look at, you know, a lot of the, some of the chances that Pookie had, he's running in behind with a good ball. Right. And obviously the composure to on Ray on one of them, frag on the other one, even Bongi where he slides it across the box, the ability to be in a, position where there's a lot of people around you, but to make the right decision with the right pace on the ball to find the right guy is something that, you know, we hadn't necessarily done in the past few games. And, um, you know, Sean came in and basically 
gave gave us the confidence to to kind of just play a lot of the again small changes we've talked about. Not necessarily you know big. We're not switching you know not playing three five two or you know doing certain things that you know haven't been you know haven't been doing in the past uh, x amount of games. But I think the ability to get into certain positions and have the composure that, that if it's not necessarily on to just dump across and let's have a little bit more composure and build around and have a little bit of a slow methodical attack. And I think that, um, you know, gave players like Ray life to, to find the ball and in, in even further up the field in difficult pockets. Um, and also in terms of just the way we defend also for me, it's, you know, keeping compact tight lines allows us to run less you know, if we if we don't necessarily press at the right times or if we're trying to pick certain things off, we end up might getting a little bit stretched. Whereas I feel I think our lines were a little bit tighter. Um, I think Bakai coming in gave us a lot of veteran leadership on that side and also just a huge voice. Um, you know, we're up. I remember we we're up three or four one and they ended up getting a shot on my side and he came over and he goes, this is impossible. This is impossible. And it's just that that type of that type of presence about how mediocrity and and being late, I would just say being tired and maybe taking a playoff. And I think we had just attacked and someone didn't say track back, but basically the, the, the leadership to come over and say, listen, I don't care if it's three, one, four, one, five, zero, giving up these types of chances is not okay. And, you know, putting guys like that in the games is, uh, can't even, you know, put a value on that. So, you know, little things like that really go a long way in terms of just the team mantra and the team mentality to just be just not accepting of, anything less than 110% on and off the pitch, get your butt up the field, help the attack. And then if you don't get back, then you get one or two strikes. And then if not, you're going to be taken off because that's just not okay. So um, again, little things like that, I think help move a long way. And, um, you know, it's been great getting back in. I know with Dane to kind of see, you know, what the game plan is going to be going in this weekend. And hopefully we can go out and put out a similar performance in terms of the accountability, the confidence, and also just, um, you know, letting our special players make special plays. And the result. And the result. And the result. Yeah. And before we dive into sporting Kansas city and what is so challenging about that team and especially on the road, um, at least for Minnesota United, they always seem to sort of have the number, but is it as simple sometimes as just confidence? I mean, you just said that word again, there, like confidence in yourself, confidence in each other, confidence coming from others. Like, is it, is it sometimes that simple where you just have, um, the confidence to, to do what you know you're capable of, whether it's as an individual, as a team, confidence to even make mistakes and it's okay. Like, I mean, is it sometimes as simple as just having confidence when you're in a certain stage or things aren't going your way or you're not getting the results that you think you should be getting for the quality of the team that you have? Is it sometimes that simple or is that too simple? Yeah, I think obviously confidence is a, is a big thing in sports, but I think it's also putting guys in the right spot so they can succeed. And, and allowing themselves, allowing each other and ourselves to put ourselves in the best opportunity to succeed. And yeah, you can say, okay, we were unlucky sometimes, but then there's other times where we are lucky. But I think having that confidence and and being in the right spot to put yourself in the best position to succeed, I think is, has been a big thing um, for us in, in, in that last game as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously confidence for center forwards and for attacking guys is, is huge. And um, as a defender, I know we have, the ultimate confidence that our goalie can pull a rabbit out of a hat as much as Ray might be able to do it. You know, I'm going to pump up Dane a little bit, but you know, to seriously though, you know, the, the save one, one-on-one against Costa when it's, you know, minute 36 ish, I think ish. And then Pookie scores soon after that, you know, th those things are, those things are huge plays. And that gives us confidence to say, you know what, you know, we got someone behind us that can help pick up the pieces if need be. 
And obviously, you know, Dane can give us a little kick in the butt if, you know, we're not in our right spots. That's okay. And I think that um, those little things and that, that, that accountability um, go a long way. And also I think understanding your teammates to put them in spots to succeed is huge. Um, and the ability to, I would say, play within each person's game is, is great. And I think, you know, again, I go back to Makai is, you know, what was asked of him in that necess- in that game, you know, he wasn't asked to do something that he's not capable of doing. And thus he was then able to go out and be very confident and say, listen, this is my game. This is what I do. This is what I do well. And I'm going to execute to the best of my abilities. And then that gives the rest of the team confidence because then you have someone that is, you know, a, a, a rock on, on that side of the field. And then that kind of can move up the field, right? And that kind of keeps going. And 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 ultimately confidence is something that, that is contagious. And so is communication. You see it, you see one guy start chirping, Bakai goes, and then I get a little bit loud, then Will starts to go, then Dane, you know what I mean? And then it kind of, you know, then it kind of sputters. And I think it's one of these things where um those those little those little changes and those little moments are things that we maybe haven't gotten right in certain games. And I think we did last game. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get it right in the next game, but I think that um, we can build off a lot of those things while continuing to learn um, from some of the moments in which, you know, we we could have gotten caught or which Dane had maybe has to make a save that we could have stopped. So I think that, um, you know, when you, when you get a result, it's great, no problem, but there's still always time to learn um, no matter how big the result might be or how much, uh, confidence or how many goals you might score, we can always learn and get better. So who do you need to, you know, what do you need to do that against this sport Kansas City side? Well, you know, kind of put aside that it's the fact that it's decision day. You already know that you have to win this game. Yes, you rely on some help from others, but if you don't win the game, then it, you know, what everybody else does doesn't even matter, right? Whatever, what are the, the other results are. So what do you need to do against Sporting Kansas City? And on this team, on this Sporting Kansas City team, who do each of you look at and go, oh, crap. You know, like, is there a player where you're like, God dang it. Like he's got the ball again. He's doing this. He scored again. He made that. Is there a player on that team that you're just like really, really bugs you like in a competitive nature? Um, I would say first and foremost, I've played away at Kansas city and I've had some bad results and I've had some good results, but the most important thing across every single game I played is managing the first 10, 15 minutes. And that you could say that you could say that most places don't get me wrong. But every time I've I've lost their big, they've scored in the first 10 minutes. And they get the crowd into it and everyone's going and the, 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 the guy's screaming on the microphone. It's a whole thing. But if you can, you have to manage those first 10 minutes. And that looks very different for each team, right? The way we manage it might be different than the way Austin. Austin wants to, tick, 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 that that's, might be their version of managing it. Then Red Bulls might say, we're just going to kick it out for goal kicks, right? So you can kind of have different teams that will manage the game certain ways to kind of get through and to kind of settle in. So first and foremost, it's managing those those moments. And Kansas City is a good team. I don't necessarily think that their results are reflective of them and how much quality they do have. Um, for years, they've had a very dynamic front three. Three years ago, Daniel Shalley was in the MVP conversation. Johnny Russell's always very good, and Alan Polito's healthy, and he did banging in goals. So first and foremost, their front three, we have to be aware of them all at all, all times. And the way they kind of play – their, their number six dictates a lot. And their number six has always done that, whether that was Lawrence Olam a while ago, whether that was Voltaire, now it's Rojas, I believe it is, whether it was Elias Sanchez, their number six is one of the pivotal pieces for their team that dictates a lot of their tempo and that gets on the ball and that will slow things down. So I think being aware of where their number six is and limiting the interactions that person can have on the ball has always been important. And the thing is, with Kansas City, we can talk about them, but it's not as if we're spoiling too many secrets because... Peter and this team have been playing a very similar style for almost 10 years. 
It's just they have different pieces, right? Graham Zuzu was on the wing, then he was at right back. And they have Kinda in there. Then they had Kyrie Shelton that was up top for a while. And then, you know, Russell and Charlie have been there for a bit. And obviously they had Philippe Martins on the left and they had, you know, Ben Sweat there for a bit. So they have the same pieces, but it's been the same or different pieces, but the same system. So I think, you know, for me, managing that first 10 minutes and then ultimately, you know, being aware and cognizant of where their number six is will, will be a good starting point for us in terms of just dealing with their team in general. Yeah, and I think um, for us, I think in the regular season, maybe we haven't gotten there, but I think for me, it's changing the narrative because uh, last time we were in there in a must-win game in playoffs, we were able to go there and get a result. And I think we know for them that they need to, it's a, it's a must-win game for them. So I think uh, it's going to be similar to a playoff game because both teams know that they need to win t- to get something. So I'm also thinking uh, about the, obviously the first 10 and 50 minutes is going to be important, but that last 10, 50 minutes are going to be important because both teams know a tie means nothing for them. Or if they're down that losing 2-0 versus 4-0 or 2-1, it's it's going to be the same. Um, so I think uh, you're going to see kind of both teams kind of pushing for it until the end. So I think uh, kind of when that game opens up, for me, it's going to be important that last kind of 15 minutes, making sure that we're managing um, what's going on in front and, and, and just managing or pushing or whatever the result may be at the time to, to make sure that, that we're coming off the field with three points. Where's their weakness? Like, where can you get at them? You just talked about defending them a lot because clearly, you know, you're the goalkeeper or the defender, but where's their weakness? Where can you get to them? Yeah, I think uh, Zarek named a lot of different players there, but I think uh, it's been no secret that they were never fully able to replace Ike Parra. I think uh, so. Shout out Ike. <laughs> Shout out Ike for sure. But um, I think that, that that's been no secret. And I think it's kind of been one of those reasons why they've had so many kind of different players um, try to fill that role. So I think uh, that's definitely um, one of the spots. And we know that they can be open at times because they kind of want to be able to play that transition style. So I think uh, in those transition moments, um, we, we can be able to, to to get them as well. Yeah, I, I can't. I, I mean, that's pretty much it, right? They they like to have the ball. Again, they're, um, you know, we're playing a team that uh, I don't think will surprise us much. They don't, you know, because they're very rigid in the way they do things because they've had success with it. Um, they've had, well, Peter's Peter had a lot of, like Peter Vermees isn't going to change. Peter's had a lot of successes and I doubt that, that they're right? going to yeah. play 30, 33 games and then completely come out in a new formation. So, yeah, yeah. you know, they've had a lot of success in what they do and they're very good at it. And um, again, it's just a matter of managing, you know, like, like Dane says, transition moments. Um, they like to have the ball, especially at home. They like to have the ball and move it around a lot. So I think, Again, just being organized and 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 tighten our block, and then, in it, when we win it, we have to keep it. Um, I, I think that we can't win it and keep losing it, or else they're going to keep getting wave after wave, and we'll get tired, and then, you know, get a little bit sloppy. So I think just you know when we have the ball to to honor that and to really uh, value possession and and not get lazy with it, right? Like you can have the ball, but you can still move it, bop bop bop, move firm passes, pass to the right foot, touch and play quickly, and not you know get lazy with that. So. Um, you know, I think that it won't be, we won't be surprised too much. Again, I don't think many teams are when they play them. It's just a matter of going in and having all 11 players be fully committed to the tactical plan and then going out and trying to execute it as much as possible and, you know, weathering the storm, the first 10 and then settling into the game and playing it. Um, because, you know, they do have a great fan base that's there that's packed every single game. And especially when they have all to play for as well. It'll be, it'll be a bloodbath and I'm excited for it because these are the games you like. These are the games you live for as a player. These are the fun ones that, that it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard, great atmosphere away. These are the ones that, that jazz you up. 
Um, not to say that other games don't, but when when it when when things are on the line, this is awesome. This is what you live for. So again, um, whether I get the chance to play, you know, that that's TBD. Um, I think Dane has a ch good chance of being in the sticks. But you know, whether I get to play or not, I'm just excited to be there and help my teammates out, no matter what uh, that role looks like, and and to be there as a support source and just be someone that can hopefully help the guys in any way possible to get three points. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but is there anything better than like silencing an away crowd when you're on the road, whether it's an early goal or, you know what I mean? Whatever it might be like, there can't be many better things when you just completely like shut up the op opposing crowd. And especially when it's Kansas city, there's a rivalry there. It's going to be, you know, loud. And then I, I heard the Minnesota United or the, the supporter section, the tickets, um, have sold out. I think there's an allotment of like 130 or something yeah. like that. So it's sold out. And I'm sure there's other people getting tickets that aren't in that section. So it's going to be awesome. I have great memories of the uh, 2018 Western Conference final. We played away at Kansas City, 1-3-1. And that uh, was a lot of fun. But <laughs> but in saying that, that game was tough. That was a tough game. And I expect nothing different because it's a lot of similar players. Um, again, their team plays various in a very similar manner obviously you know Kinda's probably i don't know if, if he's injured but tommy's in there and tommy's a hell of a player uh you know different left back um so just you know a lot of similar players to that game but it was fun those games are the best this is what you live for you know as a kid um the, these things are a lot of fun especially going away obviously we love playing at home we love winning at home but you know going away and and you know, embracing the environment, you know, I'm sure they're going to have a lot of nice things to say to Dane on the one side, <laughs> just really building up, building them up. How much homework do opposing fans do Dane? How much do they really dig in? How much dirt have they found on you? Like, what do they really dig in? None on? more than the crew at the university of Maryland. So credit to them fans <laughs> there because um, it's honestly, it's just the same stuff. Like you suck or, Clint should be playing or whatever. Like it's not very original. It's it's pretty poor from them to be honest. But my favorite is like a lot of them will like say something, but then like if you turn around and you look at them, they shut up really quickly. And it's like if you had the balls to say it when when my back was turned, then go ahead and say it again. I'm not saying you can't say anything. That's you know what, what I'm mean? saying. The amount of put this out there, MLS broadcast this, the world, FIFA. If I have to hear any more Zlatan or Zaba jokes, please <laughs> think of something different. Just something original. You know, well, it's just something different. It, I, it just be be clever with it. Right. right? Do a little research, like put some time into this. I'm, I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. Yeah. So put some time into it. Get clever. Don't yeah, just those, they're they're stop. intense. Oh, you oh Zlatan's back. Okay, cool. Yeah, I haven't heard that one before. I heard that at 17 away games so far, or 16. So get get creative. I think the Maryland. I I went to Tulsa once in college, and this guy had a printout sheet of everyone's bio, and he was like yeah. he had a megaphone. He was circling through. Finally found the goalie, bro. He found like the goalies. Like he did his research. Like parents' names, sisters' names. Dude, our goalie was wrecked. Yeah, no, no. wrecked. No, no. We ended up winning the game, but I've never seen him so like couldn't take goal kick. Sorry, Dave, but like <laughs> he was losing his composure because no. they like did their re like, no no wrong. Maryland like. They they got the guy's phone number at one of our games, <laughs> and they like yelled it out during the chant. So everyone in the stand is calling the guy because oh, it was against UCLA. So Chase was saying like after like the guy couldn't go on his phone for like two days because it was just like constant calls like leading up to the game and then after the game like it was just like constant calls. So it's it's the the if you want to be clever about it and it's like 
if you're clever about it, I might give it a little smirk or something like that. But like the like you suck or like whatever, I'm like, you still paid your money to come watch me, so thank you. Yeah. Is well, the way and I it's all it, as long as it's all in good, clean fun. You know, like we don't need to see, we don't need to go like down you that want, avenue really of care. like, yeah. yeah, you know, and we've all seen it on social media, like, and that that's the ultimate where like you talk about those people not saying it to your face. I mean, that's like social media to like the thousandth degree. Everyone's brave when you can yeah. just throw it out there and behind, you know, sitting in your basement of your parents with your cats and what, like everyone's, I was, everyone's I was playing in Norway once and my one teammate said, and he had a, he had a tough game. And he said, the thing that set him off was in like the 15th minute. The ball went out for a throw and he went to go get it from an opposing team's fan. And the guy had a jersey and he goes, hey, Christian, I just want to let you know, like, you're playing terribly right now. I Like, your team really needs you to pick it up. And he goes, I've never felt such sincere disappointment in my performance <laughs> from someone else. He goes, I couldn't I couldn't complete a pass. And he came in after the game and he was just like, dude, this fan, he goes, I got to go, like, talk. And, like, it wasn't anything crazy. It was just like, you're really, like, you're, you're letting your team down. I just want to let you know that. And the, and, he, and the rest of the game, frazzled, completely frazzled. So it wasn't even something loud and yeah. obnoxious. It was like, it was just, it was the hard truth. It was the hard truth in that moment. And he couldn't, and he couldn't handle it. So Christian, he, he rebound from that, but he had a tough game. Hey, so my last question for you guys, since we've kind of broken down everything, Minnesota United, if you had to look at this season um, for the league, like, is there any, like as a player in this league, is there a moment we're like, oh no, like that was sick. Like a goal, a moment, a player's performance on the season. Like, is there anybody that's like, we're, you know, just as a fan of the game where you're just like, wow, that was, that was pretty, you know, pretty incredible. Like, is there anything that sticks out to you? Cause there's been some like nice goals. There's been some Z's, nice He's been but... pumping my tires. So I'm going to go ahead with and say my own assist, I think is, is not something yeah. you see all the time. So he's been pumping my tires. So I'm just going to continue to pump them. <laughs> My daughter was even impressed with that. She was like, wow, that was like a good touch. Like he had like vision on that. That was like a nice pass. Yeah, I, I definitely did wish I scored it, but um, <laughs> it was definitely a good transition into, all right, find the next best option. Were your teammates all surprised that you didn't just take it yourself? Zarek, be honest. No, I think everyone knew I wanted to. And I think everyone knew like I messed up the first touch. Like that did not go as planned because I was probably thinking about the goal and like the celebration I was going to do and everything. But um, I remember when I turned, I heard Hassani calling for it at the top of the box, but in the corner of my eye, I saw Fraga and I said, I'm going to go for Fraga. And <laughs> I'm sure if I didn't lay up, if we didn't score, Hassani probably would have let me have it at the end of the game for sure. Yeah, I can see that. Um, My, I guess my three would be, I mean, it's tough to look past the, the Messi's uh, first game. But I also think there's been between the two half field goals scored this year, like the Zillarion one was wild. But but the the Reeves one was was that's that's he hit the ball like 70 yards. Yeah. Like like struck it. And but those two goals that got for me is just ones where you're just thinking this you have you it's hard to hit a ball cleaner for me than that than Ruiz did in DC. And apparently they talked about it before the game, I guess. You know, they said Tyler goes off his line a lot. I I didn't yes. I don't really watch many DC games, but the, the I, I mean, asked Wayne Rudy about that, and he was like, "Oh no, that's what I want him to do." And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, well, so yeah, so each teach their own, but um, yep. to those those two goals that were just ones that are are were wild. Now, even even for example, the one that we scored against, is it LFC? Was it the one? 
like oh, race goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one when of the Cur- best. Curvin flicks it up, Curvin, and then it it was like the, we yeah, did like yeah. seven passes in Top a small area, and they yeah, flick yeah. it over. I think mm-hmm. it might have been LFC. but um, just the the two half field goals for me are ones that I'm sitting here going, those are just wild. Yeah, where you like don't even picture that happening. I don't know how that how does that feel as a goalkeeper, Dane? Have you had that happen to you? Fortunately enough, not. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think um, the automatic reaction is always like, oh, it's the goalie's fault. But like, sometimes it is the goalie's fault. And sometimes it's still like, it can be the goalie's fault and good play at the same time. You know what I mean? I think so. Like, if you look at Zilla rounds, it was like the center back tried to play a ball through and someone just like deflected it. Yeah. Right. One of the, someone cut out a pass. And then I think he took just straight away. Yeah. He might have taken it one touch, touch yeah. but even still, then it's there's only so much the goalie can do. You're not going to be inside your six. Wait, yeah. when I'm not saying when I say it's like a sick feeling. It's not that it's the goalie's fault. It's just a sick feeling when you're like tracking back and you're watching. Oh, oh yeah, you know, it's absolute. It's absolute panic of like, <laughs> where am I right now? And like you're trying to track the ball, and like that's why I feel like you see like a lot. It's like almost like baseball players like going back to the warning track, but we don't have a warning track, so you're only following the ball. So yeah. it's like sometimes you don't know where you are and like it's like <laughs> anytime it happens in any league, Ike always sends it to me and goes, never let this happen to you. Because it's like his favorite <laughs> play of like the goalie just like in the net it's, after it's it just, after it happens. It's just pure. You're, you're just completely losing your composure because it's <laughs> it's just chaos. You're just sitting there and you can see trying to find the PK spot. Where's the, the crossbar? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yes, for me, the half field ones were just. I mean, because those don't just happen. And right. Like, again, the Ruiz one's nuts because that's like a proper, like, oh, you're going to stand there? All right, well, I got <laughs> yeah. I got this one. Yeah, yeah, that was that was sick. And it was a little bit more of like a driven. Yeah, no, that uh, was just a long, that was a long ball mm-hmm. <laughs> that he just yeah. hit 70 yards. It was crazy because he has that. And I only thought, to, you know, I, I we played against him for a while, and I only thought he was able to strike it like that because of the altitude. Seriously, because oh. you know there was a few yeah, years. Yeah, game like, was in DC. There was a few years of like but, Brooks Lennon and you know Aaron uh, Herrera and these guys would just sit there and whop with Joe Plata and Sabarino, and I was like, oh, it's just the altitude. You get a little bit more on it, and no, this was DC, humid summer, just yeah. cutting through the, the humidity, and I again for me that was one where I'm just. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time. I'm I'm looking forward to Saturday. Um, it's going to be crazy. Decision day is going to be nuts. I, I know we've been talking about it, but I think for everybody, and it's going to be one of those things. I know you can't like scoreboard watch, um, in the midst of the game. I'm sure people are going to be keeping track, especially if you're in the lead, um, you know, what, what's going on with other teams and, and the games around you as you need a little bit of help. And, but so does Kansas city. So it's going to be the ultimate. I mean, I don't, I think that, you know, winner go home games are the best ever anyways, but then on top of it, when you know, both teams are in, in the same position, like and it's Kansas City, which is a rival and a difficult place to play. I think it's going to be like I don't, I don't even know who's doing your game. I, I haven't seen that. I'm lost yeah, schedule. We, we need to end this nicest rivalry in sports thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, who it's came the up with worst. That? It's the worst thing ever, to be honest. And I think yeah. obviously it's probably unfortunate for us because now St. Louis is in, so they're going to be like St. Louis is our biggest rival. But um, I think for us, I think uh, it's definitely a huge game and. I think well, obviously we knocked LA Galaxy out of, out of playoff contention. There's no better feeling than than sending a team home, and we were able to do that to to Vancouver last year. So I think uh, just time to to add another one to the list. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you just got back from travel. You're trying to get back in the swing of things. 
I think it's Tuesday. I'm pretty sure that's what day it is this week. So you got a, a few more days left before you hit the road and, and head to Kansas City. So thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, guys, have a great day. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Stay tuned next week. Hopefully, there will be another episode of Sound of the Loons talking about where Minnesota United sits in the playoff seating uh, to continue their season for 2023. Stay tuned, everybody. Sound of the Loons again next week.